powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show Vacation Edition. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we get into this episode, I want to say thanks again to my last guest, Carl Darden. What an absolute delight to speak to, and I know he is doing amazing things over at Navy Sports Nation. If you haven't heard his interview, I encourage you to listen to it after the conclusion of this episode. As I mentioned in the last episode, I am on vacation in the UK, seeing family and friends, and then I'm hopping over to Rome for a few days to celebrate a milestone in my marriage. Ten years. So I may post a few fun photos on our Twitter and Instagram page, so go to at Derek Duvall Show on either of those two platforms to stay up to date with what I am doing. So welcome to episode 84, and boy, do we have a good one for you today. We have on the show actor and voiceover artist Jim Meskimen. He has appeared in countless films and television shows, and we discuss his early days in the business, working repeatedly with Ron Howard, the legacy of Robin Williams, and how he crafts such an incredible impersonations. Plus, we have so much more good stuff from him as well. So let's go get him out here and let him tell his story. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome to the show, a man who wears many creative hats in Hollywood, Jim Meskimen. Jim, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. I am really excited to speak to you. Uh, how was the weather out by you today? Well, I'm happy to say it's been really nice. We had a lot of rain yesterday, but today it's sunny and gorgeous. Nice. I start my interviews off the same way, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic so far? Well, it's been a major pain, <laughs> as I'm sure it has been for everybody. But I'm fortunate in that I can do a lot of my work from home. I'm a, uh, a voice artist as well as being a, a regular actor. So if the cameras aren't rolling, then I've been able to be in the booth. And I, I do our Colonel Sanders voice for uh, the KFG brand. And I do a lot of animation and uh, video games and stuff like that. So I've, I've kept busy. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, but I am frustrated, of course, by the whole thing. Do you have a studio set up in your space? I do. Very nice studio. Where I've recorded a lot of audio books and commercials and things here, so I have a very nice setup. Fair enough. Every journey has a beginning. What was it like to grow up in Los Angeles in a showbiz family? Well, I, I don't, you know, it's the only upbringing that I know. So uh, I, uh, it was it was interesting because my mom was a single mom. She, My parents were divorced when I was about eight and my sister was five. So really raised the two of us we would see my dad on the weekends but um you know she was responsible for the the majority of the time and uh and she was not famous particularly when we were growing up it was she became uh slowly became an icon as happy days began to gain in popularity and she you know she wasn't mrs c overnight is what i'm trying to say so uh, it was good in that i i grew up pretty firmly grounded and i saw how 
how one had to hustle to make it in show business and how one had to work really hard to continue to hone, hone your craft and uh, promote yourself and make connections and, you know, never, never really let up. Was it predetermined at an early age that you get into the family business or did you have any other, you know, aspirations or plans? No, I did have other plans and uh, I was always encouraged in the arts, however. So I was an illustrator cartoonist first and that was my first career. But at the same time, I, I would do plays and I like to fool around with my voice and make recordings on my cassette player, you know, and <laughs> and create entertainment that way. And and so, uh, you know, I sort of it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do uh, inevitably. But uh, when I was in my 20s, I finally made the leap and decided, no, you know, I can I could understand why uh, an acting career for me was the proper path. Do you remember your first paying role? Yes. Well, my first, yeah, actually, my first paying role as an actor was on Happy Days. And my mom got me a job, and I was one of the kids on the beach who announced uh, that there was a shark that Fonzie was going to jump over later on in the show. So I, I provided the vital exposition that there was a shark <laughs> penned up, penned up, mind you, out in the, in the water, and that uh, Marineland was going to come and pick it up. That was the justification for why it was penned up out there. You know? So I'm in that famous Jump the Shark episode of the, the, the Cunninghams go to Hollywood. So based on my research, your path and the path of the Howard family are pretty aligned with you appearing in many of Ron's films. Full disclosure, Apollo 13 is one of my all-time favorite films. Mine too, and not because I get residuals. That's just a great movie. <laughs> That's a great movie. I was, uh, yeah, I've done five films with Ron Howard, and I would love to do some more. And yeah, I'm, I have a lot of respect for their family. I knew his parents, I know his brother, and uh, I've worked with them in, in several different capacities. So uh, they're, they're top of my list. So, at what point in your career did you decide to branch out and do voiceover work? When I was in my 20s, I moved to New York City to, to get work as an actor and to, you know, be in movies and television. And uh, I, I realized that because I had, grown up with Marion as my mom and, and had kind of always been interested in impressions and accents and dialects, that I have just a little bit of an edge over other people uh, my age who were in the business. So I, I promoted myself that way, you know, and I did a lot of improv where I would show off those skills. And I began to, to get work as an, as an impressionist and just as a voiceover person, um, you know, for commercials and things like that. And I, I, I built a very healthy resume uh, on camera and voiceover uh, commercials at the same time as I was developing um, uh, my skills as an improviser and a regular actor. So uh, New York kept me very, very busy. And after 10 years, I had, I had a very good reputation. I was making a very good living at it. And I moved back to California. So in all your years in show business, what's the best advice that anyone has ever given you? Oh, you know, I stopped an old actor on the street one time, a guy named Bill McCutcheon, who I'd seen in a Broadway show. And I was just, you know, fresh in New York. And uh, I, I like to ask actors, you know, hey, any words of advice? And he, he looked at me and he said, yeah, yeah, persistence. And I went, persistence. I thought I understood what he meant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I understood from a from a 23 year old point of view of what persistence meant. And and now at uh, at 62, I'm like, ah, yes. Persistence. The whole got a whole other definition for me. You got to you got to continue to create your career, and that means 
if if you're not being hired for something, if you don't have a part, you've got to invent some way to perform. Uh, whether you're performing just in a play for free or doing something for your church or doing something for YouTube or whatever, you know, writing something, participating in a reading, you, you've got to be responsible and not wait around. And that was my mom's great advice, too. You don't wait around. You just you, you make it happen. OK, so then based on persistence, what's been the hardest obstacle you've had to overcome? That's a good question. I would say it's these big, it's the hardest obstacles are these, because I, I can always stay busy, right? The hardest ones are these big obstacles that come from way outside my, my zone, like COVID, like financial meltdowns, where, and, you know, where companies react and suddenly they're not hiring anybody or they're not producing any commercials or, you know, these major force majeure kind of events. That I'm like, ah, this is a tough one. You know, this is, this is, if it's just normal, you know, things like normal, I, I, I can do pretty well. I can just stir up business. But when it becomes something global, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this, this is going to take some real hustle. So take my listeners on a journey and describe your process on how you create an impersonation. Well, you know, I, I usually follow my instincts very much. You know, when I, I, if there's an actor who I, am enjoying watching i i use that you know when you watch a, a performer that you really love in a movie you're sort of being them in the movie you're sort of experiencing things from their eyes and feeling things that they feel and everybody does that i think to some degree but an impressionist can kind of mine that experience uh you know and and, and draw from it so that you, you know you take that and go okay well i i feel what it's like to be that character now, how can I how can I sort of also glom on to how he sounds? And since I'm very familiar with my vocal equipment, you know, my voice, how low I can go, how high I can go. I know what accents I know and which ones need work. And, and I know how to make the sound sound kind of different. Uh, I can play around and, and usually I, I can know if I can locate that sound and then present it. And I'll, and I'll just walk around in my house and I'll just sort of talk like that person, or I'll try making some recordings like that person. And then I'll, I'll compare it to other recordings of the actual uh, person and then kind of polish it that way. And I'll work on it for a while until, until I feel like, yeah, you know, I, I'm familiar enough with this. I can drop into it at a heartbeat. And then I like to perform it somehow. I, I love, I love to do you know, like, <laughs> The um, I love to do it in front of an audience, but it's also great when you get hired. You know, when they when you audition and they say we're looking for the voice of, of Patrick Stewart, for example, and you're you're like, well, I I think I do a pretty good Patrick Stewart, but until I'm validated by being paid, I, I won't know for sure. You see, that's amazing. Okay, so building on that question, how hard was it to follow up voicing the genie in Aladdin after Robin Williams had done the role? Well, you know, I, I actually was hired to do the genie while Robin was still alive, uh, and he had to sign off and approve of my imitation of, of the blue genie. So I felt, you know, sort of buoyed by it. But um, right after he passed, of course, it was uh, spiritually kind of difficult, you know, yeah. for me to do it. It was like, oh, man, you know, it's, and I wrote a poem about it. I made a video uh, called about about Robin Williams, uh, about it, how, how I felt about doing his voice after he passed. And, and a lot of people responded to it. It went kind of viral. And, um, yeah. you know, it was, it, it was definitely, 
you know, a, a punch to the gut when he died. And but now, you know, when I get called on to do it, the lovely thing is people don't really think about the tragedy of it. They just think, oh, yeah, Robin, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah. gee, he, he meant something to all of us as a creative force and as someone who he's just felt close to. He felt a great affinity for. So now it's, it's great. If I can when I do it, people really appreciate it, man. You know, I've been doing this show for nearly three years and we have just been so lucky to have had so many guests who either knew Robin or interacted with him over the years, and they all universally agree he was a force of nature and flat out one of the most generous and kindest people that you could ever hope to meet. Yeah, yeah, and he he got his start, really, or a big break, maybe not his start, but he got a big break on Happy Days on my mom's show. He showed up at the Cunningham. Most people in America saw him, you know. So I was aware of him very early on and and, and rather jealous of him, actually, because of his expertise and uh, ability to you know change characters and stuff like that, which is stuff that I love to do. He was a really dear guy, and I remember we had a book at my my mother's probably still has it. Some a book that he gave her as a gift. He gave everyone in Happy Days. He gave them some nice book with an inscription in it, and yeah, he was a very very sweet man. Okay, Devon Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break from this interview, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this amazing episode. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink, take some. Super nice, long, deep breaths. You know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Pay attention to two friends of the show. We will be right back. Dude, there's so much stuff to watch. I know, but that's why we're here. We're watching out with Jay and MJ. I'm Jay. I'm MJ. And we're a comedic. And sometimes explicit. Podcast binging through all the shows available today. And we'll tell you whether it's a watch. It's definitely watchable. It's definitely like a really, really cute, light show. I, I just I, I just enjoyed it. I look forward to every Friday having this come out. Or not. It's not going to be able to catch my attention in the same way a more adult Game of Thrones kind of fantasy show did. Or a little bit of both. The show to me was so ridiculous that there was no way I couldn't have watched it. I mean, there are shows that are bad, but there are shows that are so bad they're good. And this show is so bad that I am going to be watching season two. Are we always going to stay on topic? No, obviously not. But we will give you our honest review. Well thought out and unapologetic. Subscribe to Watch or Not with Jay and MJ. Wherever you download podcasts. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. I'm Agent Scott. 
And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need to see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Bourne to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for Spy Hards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 84 of the Derek Duvall Show, Vacation Edition. Let's get right back at it with the conclusion of our interview with actor and voiceover artist, Jim Meskimen. When I found out you were coming on the show, I put it out on social media to submit some questions. I chose the most intelligent of them. So the first question is, is the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway, the hardest test for an actor? Uh, it, It can be for sure. I mean, if you're a trained improviser, it's not that challenging. What is challenging about whose line for, for an improviser is that they are, they really want you to go for the joke mm-hmm. and that's hard. I, I, the way I was trained, you, you know, you just, you just make things, you just build things and it's going to be funny uh, because you know, it's based on agreement and uh, I don't know. I never had any intention on being funny. We created hilarious things, but we also didn't have to make a joke out of it in uh, you know, 45 seconds and they have a little different agenda there. So that's, that's tough, but improvising is very easy. I love to improvise. And, and when you're with people that are very supportive, like, like most of the people from Chicago that do Chicago improv, very easy to work with. Like second city. Yeah. Those guys, they, yeah. you know, they understand, they understand, you know, but yeah, whose line can be, can be dodgy for sure. I, I mean, I've, I've worked with the, the British people mainly when I was on whose line and they were, they were largely uh, really easy to work with, but you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like a, it's a team activity. So you, it depends on your teammates. The next fan question reads, you've done friends, fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the big bang theory. What do you take away from working with ensemble casts? Oh, well, it's, I tell you, it's great to work with a cast that is tight, that has been successful, you know, like friends, uh, fresh Prince also, they were in like a family. Uh, it's a little weird because you're dropping into a family out of the blue and you've got to kind of integrate into it. Uh, and they know that they're, they know that they're not going to see you next week. They're going to be there. <laughs> you're going to be gone. So, you know, that's kind of, it's not, not so great, but you know, with a well-oiled machine of a, of a great show cast, it's kind of a breeze. You just gotta, you just gotta show up and, and do your job and, and they're already running at a, at a high pace and, they know exactly what they're doing. You know, they're very good at it. Uh, I was impressed by Friends. Friends was one of the easiest experiences I've ever had because they were already, I think, in their final season. And, you know, 
these people, they, they're amazing. Uh, they just rolled out of bed and, and made miracles happen. So it was pretty smooth. The last fan question, and I'm super biased as to why I chose this one. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. Do you have any fun memories of your time working on Apollo 13? I do. Uh, Apollo 13 was a great experience. I learned a lot. We learned a lot about the space program. We talked to astronauts. We talked to mission controllers. They were there every day, you know, kind of being consultants with us. And yeah, it, it was just fantastic. And uh, Ed Harris was great to work with. And we had some downtime one time. And uh, we were in the, the room where, you know, not the big mission control room, but right adjacent to it, there was a room, room 210. I'll never forget it, room 210 which was where all the planning happened. And that's where he said, uh, we never lost a man in space. We're not going to do it on my watch. And uh, we were we were in that jammed in that room, all the, the young mission controllers, and a lot of whom, by the way, were voiceover actors. I, I, and, and it was funny. But uh, anyway, there was some downtime. Like a lot of times things happen in a movie uh, set, you know, where they have to make a, a change of some kind technically, and everybody has to kind of sit around for a while and wait for that to happen. And for some reason, uh, Ed was very available to us and he was hanging out there and he started to tell us this story about when he was on the abyss and how he nearly died. And we just were wrapped. I mean, forget about Gene Kranz of Apollo 13. We were listening to Ed Harris talk about how he nearly drowned underwater on the set of the abyss. And it was just riveting. And then, and then, you know, we got the lights going and the camera going, whatever. And we continued on with the scene, but. I'll never forget that. That was a. We felt like we were privy to, you know, secrets of the universe. <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay, so what's next for Jim? Uh, I'm going to be seen in a limited series called Gaslit with Julia Roberts and uh, Sean Penn about mm-hmm. Martha Mitchell and the Watergate years. And oh, okay. uh, I, I play a senator, and I've got a very nice role in there. I work with both of those fine Oscar winning actors. And uh, so that's coming out in April. And then I'm right now I'm shooting a TV series called the big door prize, which stars the Irish actor, Chris O'Dowd. I don't know if you know, Chris O'Dowd, he was in, um, he's a charming, wonderful, wonderful lad. I like him a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm honing my Chris O'Dowd impression for if it ever comes in handy. And so that is a, a charming show that's done by the makers of uh, the creators of Schitt's Creek. Mm. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really good show. So we're shooting right now. I'm not sure when it's going to come out, maybe 2023. Uh, it'll be on the Apple network, the big door prize. Yeah. And then, uh, then I got a, a lovely little part. I've been doing a lot of parts with accents and I can't say too much about it, but I'm in the show hunters season three of hunters. Al Pacino, yes, Al's in it. I did not work with Al, but I I worship Al, so that's okay. But I play a a Trump judge in one show that I can't say anything more about, but uh, that was a great pleasure. And uh, so I've been able to play a lot of character roles, which I enjoy very much. Man, that's a great Pacino impression, man. As we begin to wind down the interview, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Best way, I think, is to probably go to uh, Instagram, and uh, I'm at Jim Pressions, Jim Pressions. Um, also, all over YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. I put a lot of content on, so if your listeners like impressions and like creativity and fun, uh, also I have tips for actors and a, a daily celebrity fortune cookie where I read a, a fortune out of a cookie. 
in a celebrity voice every morning. Uh, I've done that for years. Just find me on YouTube. You type in Jim Pressions or my name, Jim Meskimen, whichever you prefer. They're practically the same. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me there. And Also, uh, my, my own website, if you want to get on my mailing list and everything, jimmeskimen.com. Okay, great. I end my interviews with the same question, and it's my favorite. The question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Oh, wow. That's a, a lot of, no pressure, huh? No mm-hmm. pressure. Uh, the people of Earth. I guess I would say what I would say, what I try to say to myself every day, which is that, you know, you know more than you think you know. Okay, simple and to the point. Great job. Jim, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been a real thrill for me. I don't get to geek out very often. This has been a real thrill. And I know my fans have enjoyed it just as much. Oh, I'm glad. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Right. It's charming. And I appreciate it. Very gracious. Thank you. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 84, the Vacation Edition. I want to thank Jim again for taking the time out of his incredibly busy schedule to come on, speak with me. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I kind of want to go watch Apollo 13 now. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I am currently in Europe on vacation, so you are getting lots of pre-recorded content to make up for my absence. I will return in a few weeks, rested, and ready to get close to that ever-looming 100th episode milestone, and I got someone special picked out just for that episode. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs, plus we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, look on the banner on the left that says Merch, click that, and you'll be magically taken to our store on TeePublic. And I want to thank TeePublic again for being such great partners. Uh, As I mentioned in the last episode, September is Suicide Prevention Month, and as someone who has struggled with mental health in the past, I encourage everyone who might be going through a significant mental health crisis to reach out to a family member, a friend, a trusted doctor or religious leader, and have them help you get the immediate attention and help you require. You can also contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Hotline, which I didn't know. That's actually the new name now for the suicide hotline, I guess. I, that's new to me, but again, 988 Suicide Crisis Hotline. But please remember, guys, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So on behalf of the entire team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, be safe, be kind, and you know what? Hug a stranger. Yeah, hug a stranger. We all need one big hug right now with the world the way it is. So, yeah, just go out there, man. Hug a stranger. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.